Welcome back to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we are talking about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Don Marshall. I live here and I'm a big chubby guy living in sunny Hollywood. And uh, today I am a confused fashion boy because I've been going through these fashion pages for one of our news stories and I do not understand fashion. I do not get it. <laughs> I clearly am not meant to wear any sort of clothes beyond the jean and t-shirt thing because I just I don't get this. I don't understand. I'm so confused. Uh, hello, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And uh, yeah, the thing with fashion, I some of that stuff you got to get. No one's supposed to wear it. It's yeah. just <laughs> supposed to be inhabited fabric sculpture. Yeah, but and half these freaking models look so angry because they were forced to wear the clothing they're wearing because they're going down the catwalk. Oh you know? uh, yeah. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub, and I'm your Miranda Priestley explaining <laughs> that these fashions get dumbed down to the eventually be the cerulean sweater you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Michael Willer. I am a chubby chaser, and today I am uh, stating rather naively that to well, it's just that all those belts look the same to me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> we have fun here. Yeah. But seriously. <laughs> Welcome back, folks, to our new, uh, I don't know, release schedule. Did you That's miss right. us? We're back. We missed us. <laughs> it's not like, you know, when your dad leaves and he's like, I'll see you all the time. We are seeing you all the time still. <laughs> well, we worked for, out for the people custody. who missed last episode's announcement, Michael, do you want to fill us in oh, real yeah. quick? Yeah. So basically, uh, because of a combination of factors, the primary one is that I have uh, developed some pretty intense carpal tunnel for the last year, I should say. This is not a recent thing. Um, I am going to have to cut down on the amount of editing I do until it heals, which means doing fewer edits of the show that we do, which we could, uh, in theory, hire somebody, except that our Patreon only covers about half a month's worth of episodes at the moment. So the solution that we have in the short term is to do two episodes per month and release them every other week. Um, so we'll do every other week from here onward until either yeah. my arm gets better or we get some more money to hire an editor. Yeah. <laughs> and we are going to keep feeding our Patreon page. There's going to be some new content that we'll be producing for there. Mm -hmm. um, though there may be a slight slowdown for some of the more complicated stuff. So like, you know, Trevor and I have been planning a, a quick one shot episode for a little while now, but. We haven't gotten to that, and that would just take off some of the editing for the real show, so the, the full show. So, Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. I mean, it's all a balance. We'll I feel like it. I may have discovered a, uh, a magic cure, which, of course, is <laughs> yet to be tested. So check out our, our behind-the-scenes video on Patreon for more about that. Um, to learn more about Michael's quest for D. Okay. <laughs> it's not uh, what it sounds like, or is it? <laughs> let's let's get right on into the mailbag. Yes, oh, please yeah. into it. We have a mailbag. So we have a listener writing in asking us about fat books. Oh god, that's tiny. So <laughs> um, so listener writes. Hi, guys. First, I just want to say thank you for providing your little audio nuggets of positivity and fat slash queer advocacy and awareness. Hmm. I'm a big fan of the podcast and finally have caught up on listening to every episode. That's a lot. Oh, that's wow. a lot. That is a lot. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> thank you. That's you dedication. All, you all come together to provide such insightful and enjoyable content in a way that feels super relatable and real. Before I get to my question, I just want to say an extra special thanks to Trevor. Well, that's you, baby. Oh, that's you, Trevor. <laughs> I'm a super chub, as are my partners, and I'm hearing 
he and Dan speak frankly about dealing with the day-to-day issues and experiences that come up as an extra chunky boy. And it really <laughs> helps me feel less alone and more like I can speak up and advocate for myself and others when necessary. Yay. Yeah. Back to the point of my message. I work as a community organizer and one of my projects at the moment is setting up little libraries in my city. You have likely seen these little boxes on posts with free books in them. One of my jobs is to curate the selection of books that go into them. The organization I work for has a social justice mission. So we are including books on anti-racism, queer and gender issues, etc., that are written for a child or teen audience. I know that if I'd been given access to more stories with positive representations of fat characters in them, it would have improved my mental state as a fat kid and would have helped me to have a better relationship with my body later on. And as a young adult, could you please recommend some books, graphic novels, et cetera, that would provide a positive force for increasing awareness and a fat inclusive body positive perspective in the communities I'm working in. Thank you all for the amazing podcast. You're doing great work and really helping people grapple with how to navigate and advocate for change in our fat phobic society. I'm looking forward to listening to many more hours of your show in the years to come. A listener. Yeah. That is such a sweet I think email. You're doing great work. Yes. Listener. It, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I seriously, love this, I love getting mm-hmm. messages from listeners like this. It's it's beautiful to see changes in progress. You it's know? a mm-hmm. nice break from the typical personal attacks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, this is really great. It's wonderful to see what we talk about in the podcast, having listeners take that out and making change in the community. It's, it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've, we've covered a lot of titles on our resources page, but maybe Trevor, you want to give a quick recap, some, some things that you would point people to in particular. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, most of these come from our resources page. There's a couple books coming out this year that I need to add. So that's was a thank you for uh, reminding me to do that, listener. Um, so for middle grade books, I suggested The Supervillain's Guide to Being a Fat Kid by Matt Wallace, which we talked about on the show. Dear Sweet Pea by Julie Murphy. Uh, for YA, Fat Chance, Charlie Vega by Crystal. Mo- I'm sorry, I'm going to probably butcher this. Maldonado? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Malden- sounds Maldonado. right. Maldonado. Uh, Dumplin series by Jul- the Dumplin series by Julie Murphy, which is Dumplin put in a pumpkin. Uh, mm. Eat your heart out by Kelly DeVoe, which is a Fat Camp zombie book. <laughs> um, Go hunt me by Kelly DeVoe, which is Fat Vampires. <laughs> Leia the <laughs> Offbeat by Becky Albertalli, um, which is connected to the Love Simon books. Oh, that's oh, great. interesting. Um, and for graphic novels, I suggested uh, the Dead India series by Hamish Steele. And um, something that I haven't checked out, so I don't know if it'll exactly be age appropriate. I think it's probably more YA. California Dreamin', Cass Elliot Before the Mamas and the Papas. Oh. Uh, by Penelope Begu. And this is, I think it was originally published in French, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks amazing. Uh, very great illustrations. And it just looks super cute. Awesome. So those are some good suggestions. Um, and of course, if more come up, we'll talk about them as they come up but thank you listener for for writing in and being cool yeah. and giving us some compliments we love them mm-hmm. and, and, and trevor those titles uh can be found on our resources page yes yep great okay as we pivot over to pop culture we come to one of my favorite pop culture <laughs> articles that we've ever done this just makes me so happy and by um by contrast 
in doing the research for this, I had zero understanding. <laughs> I am looking at the things that Trevor provided for me to look at. I'm like, I have no idea what any of this means. What is it that we are talking about? <laughs> We are talking to about- To clue the listeners in. Yeah. Oh, they don't need to know. <laughs> we are talking about a photo shoot that Jennifer Coolidge did. That, <gasps> that Jennifer I have, Coolidge? Yes, that Jennifer Coolidge. It is basically Jennifer Coolidge. She did a Power Rangers photo shoot. And I know because I'm married to Trevor what a Power Ranger is. <laughs> yeah. That is the length and breadth and depth of my knowledge on this topic. <laughs> Uh, I think so, Trevor should describe this. Okay. So this was for W Magazine. And this, uh, so the the Daniels, the Daniels team, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schnei. These are the people who directed uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. Oh, okay. um, oh. They reached out to Jennifer Coolidge and basically told her they wanted to pay homage to the tokusatsu film genre, which is basically like giant robots fighting monsters, costumed heroes teaming up going into the giant robots. So it is basically Jennifer Coolidge. Think like if Jennifer Coolidge was Rita Revolta from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, just, I mean. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, just think of Jennifer Coolidge in outrageous costumes, uh, fighting superheroes and yes. controlling gigantic monsters, attacking cities. And this I mean, dear listener is where I got lost. <laughs> so there are these amazing costumes of they're beautiful yes there's one it's like her in a black dress with a giant pink bow and she has a giant uh katana there's her in this like i like purple the one where she's dalek like looking the, I, dress I with a pink the statue of liberty one is amazing mm -hmm. uh, i like the one also, where she's wearing the spotted the yellow and black yes. spotted coat and she's a, she's holding a power pylon yeah. and is about yes. to slam it into a, a dead robot. And I feel like I need to point out that we have another story about fashion coming up. I would not wear anything in any of those photos. I would wear any of these repeat Rita Repulsa costumes. I <laughs> yes. Coolidgen, and I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. Well, yeah. And what I, I love about this is just you can tell she is just having so much fun. And oh, I was thinking joy. about like, I would love to do this. Like, <laughs> I would love to go into a model city and be like, okay, Trevor, just, just stop around. It. And I think it's like, because as a very fat person, I am used to trying to like make myself smaller in situations. Yeah. Or at least so fit. The, yeah, to be to the opposite fit. of that. Yeah. And to be able to just be, and, I think I've talked before, like I was, the, I don't know if Michael's connecting these dots, the giant guy. Oh, oh, like, so there is, oh, I just did. So okay. I, I, I was thinking about it. And then I was also thinking like, there is a whole thing of like macro micro where it's basically like totally. a, a you know, parallel fetish to kind of fat stuff where it's like giants. Literal, and I have, literal I, and I have like no guys who giants. like want like like uh, want me to be a giant, and I've always been like I kind of get it, but like I don't really. Uh, but like, <laughs> if they brought me into a model city to do a photo <laughs> shoot, and we're like Trevor, just fuck it up. <laughs> I would love that. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I think, and just going well, this photo. This photo shoot answers the question: What does one wear to destroy a city? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. She. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's fun. It's it's light. It's fluffy. It's pop culture, everybody. 
Yeah, we, we, we it's, do fun it's everything sometimes. I want it to be. And God bless you, Jennifer Coolidge. You just make me happy. That's right. Link on our on our uh, on our page. On of our course. Page. So we have a fashion theme going on in the world of pop culture, and yes, you know, I feel like we've talked a lot about fashion this year, but um, in this case. It's nice to know that it's not just us observing that uh, men's plus size fashion has been languishing ever since, what, 2019 or 2020 or so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, when Esquire notices the dearth of plus male size models, you, it's a dearth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's this article in Esquire observing this, but going into a lot of detail and interviewing a lot of different fashion designers. And specifically, one nice thing about the article is that they went and found the people, and I, granted, it probably was that hard because there weren't very many of them mm-hmm. who actually did feature body yeah. diversity and plus size models in their fashion shows last year in 2022. Um, there weren't that many of them. I think meaning they said ma- was, male plus size, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, male plus size. Yeah. So the, the distinguishment here is that um, female plus size fashion um, for for wherever it is, is still much further along than male plus size fashion. Um, and, you know, it seems to have some degree of staying power, whereas the male plus size fashion really is just sort of a blip and then it kind of disappears with the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting. So uh, they talked to a casting director, Lisa Dimpf Megans, Megans, and she said, why don't designers talk about this more in women's wear? It's a known conversation, but there's a lot of pressure for men to look a certain way. Maybe brands to think, oh, we don't have to show it because no one's even talking about it, which I think yeah, is. I- I was talking to um, uh, someone who was writing a story about fat travel stuff and they were talking about how the, like, you know, in the travel industry, there's a lot of like plus size retreats and group trips catered towards plus size women popping up, but there's not that for men. And I think it's because of this issue of like men and body images so far behind Mm -hmm. women and femmes that it's like, we're, we're not, you know, we're starting to have fashion stuff, but like, it's still, well, I think I, it's because I, no one's talking about it. Exactly right. If the if men aren't talking about it, it's it's there is no conversation to participate in, and therefore you don't get plus size male models. At least not nearly to the extent that you get plus size female models. Yeah, the incredible thing about this article, which does establish a conversation, so that's mm-hmm. already one thing. It's Esquire, right? Like that's the, they're known for that's men's huge. fashion. Yeah, it's huge. This is Esquire UK. On top of that, like Ooh. let's let's take it a step further. They're really putting themselves out there. Um, one of the cool moments in the article was when they, you know, they so they observed that um, British LVMH prize-winning brand SS Daily featured four mid-to-plus size models in its spring-summer 23 show. Uh, critics praised, praised Daily as one of the few designers and the only menswear one to show a range of bodies during London Fashion Week. And the cool part about it is that they interviewed, um, Esquire interviewed one of the plus size models, James Corbin, uh, and he talked about his experience and he said it felt like the start of something new from the casting process right down to walking the runway. It felt so special. I love Steven and where he takes his designs. The experience was very unique and showed me the direction fashion should be going in. There was so much feedback on social media. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about that is not just his experience, but also the fact that critics were praising the show and it just, you know, not that that's always going to be the case, but it just shows that, you know, all of this irrational fear that you're going to get lambasted for for having a plus size model. Like, come on, people just like, OK, fine, maybe that's the case. But then if you get over it and actually do it anyway, look, some some good things can come out of it, too. I, I think that it's not so much that they're going to get blasted. What I think where I think we are with this 
with fat representation on the male, on the runway for men is the critics response of like, wow, how brave. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I'll take it. That's, that's better than invisibility. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's more like, you know, if you want to stand out, get yourself a fat model. That'll get noticed. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really have a problem with that. Baby steps, people. Baby <laughs> yeah, steps. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. It's something. We haven't said that mm-hmm. in a while. It's something. Yeah. Anyway, so kudos to Esquire, and we'll keep an eye on it. Um, you know, fashion has always been an area that is going to be slow to pick up any long-lasting change. So yeah, keep the conversation going, or at least get it started. <laughs> I'm very excited for Fat Watch, so we got to... Oh, but it's Fat Watch Rewind. Scooty. <laughs> Yeehaw. Scooty. I am so excited about this. I was I like trying it. to go Dan and <laughs> talking about it the other <laughs> night. Because, um, but you know, because I'm really excited to hear what Michael thinks about this. I, this so, is This is fun. This um, is from Dimensions 1998 Dimensions Magazine, um, a little setup for Dimensions Magazine. It was a magazine for BBWs and their admirers. It was basically the internet before the internet. There was uh, we had six, magazines, folks. We yeah. had magazines. Imagine it. Uh, <laughs> there was art. There was erotica. There was just like fat women talking about being fat. There were saucy photo spreads. There were personal ads. Yep. There was ads mm. for plus size fashion and I mean, porn. And like, it was, it's the internet in a magazine. It's, um, <laughs> I, I think what's funny is that on the gay side, I think we had at least two or three of these. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. But what but is this, this particular yes. article we're talking about? So this is from their June, 1998. And it is an article by a female fat admirer. Dun, dun, dun. The, <laughs> the unicorn of the yes. Chasey fat admirer world. If you've seen one in your neighborhood, <laughs> um, right into Big Fat Gay Podcast. And, and that's all. It, that's basically what she's saying is, you know, uh, so she's a female fat admirer. And she says, where have all the female FAs gone? You know, in her mind, there's plenty of us, so there should be, and she knows intellectually that there must be others. And she's, she's met some. And she's even met a couple, imagine that. Mm-hmm. But she still feels so alone because all of the events she goes to and are, is able to participate in are all either BBW and male fed admirers or, you know, the, the gay side where it's all chubs chasers where she doesn't really belong because she's a woman. Um you know, where's the event for female fat admirers and chubby men? And, and yeah, that's and, and what she, she was getting lost in. Well, and she also makes the point that if she goes to a bash, which is a BBW uh, FA space, the the fat women look down on her because they think that she's trying to steal the men. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I don't have any interest in the skinny men who want you. And they don't have any interest <laughs> in her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's fine. Relax, everybody. Uh, because there are some fat men that do show up at the bashes, some fat straight men, and there are precious few uh, female fat admirers you know, you know, for them. So, I mean, I've talked about this in my seminars because I, I lead both on the gay side and the straight side. And I, I got to say that one of the conclusions I came to was that if you are a female fat admirer, there is no problem with you going up to a fat guy yeah. and flirting. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are a thin, if you are a thin man and you go up to a fat girl to flirt, all of a sudden a bunch of red flags go off for her. Like what you're interested in me? Why? What do you want? 
mm-hmm. in addition to the whole you know male female dating situation, which mm-hmm. is asymmetrical in terms of power dynamic, you don't there isn't that that impediment to approach for a woman to go up to a fat man. And therefore, what I think happens is if if there's no impediment to that, you don't need a support group as much. You don't need a, a you know, there's no shortage of fat men out there, straight fat men to date. Mm. Um, what I think is going on here, though, is what she's talking about is a sense of community or a sense of, you know, you're out with your friends and, you know, if you watch Sex in the City, like, oh, I like that one. I like that one. Is that your type? Is that your type? And then you point to the the really fat guy across the room and people say, you mean the one behind the fat guy? <laughs> <laughs> I love this article so much and I'm, I want to, I want to do some research. I almost want to see if I can like, is Judy still around? Does she have a copy? I don't. Um, we should have her on the show. Oh, that'd be my, awesome. my heart goes out to you, Judy. And I hope she found her place. I hope she got her, her big fat her- boyfriend. Um, there's this, I don't know. I love it's, there's there's a little section sweet. of it. There's a little section of it where she's like, you know, I see other I see other women and being held in the arms of big fat men, and I think, where's mine? I'm like, I don't get this. They're all around you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I don't know. It was it was harder out there for a, a female fed admirer in apparently so. 1998. Apparently so. I'll share this on the website. Um, I'll share the picture of the page so you can see it. This is one of those things that like uh, the female fat admirer experience is something that we can report what we've heard, but we can't necessarily share it by ourselves. So if any of you know a female fat admirer, have her reach out to the Big Fat Gay Podcast because that is a perspective we would love to get. Yeah. You don't have to just be fat or gay to be on this show. Um, Yeah. In the world of fat is good enough. You know, some women are both fat and gay. (laughs) <laughs> Damn! I, too many intersections. Now you're telling tales out of school. <laughs> too many intersections. All right. Okay. We have a main topic right. today. Don't buckle we? up, everybody, because this one, uh, this one gets it gets dicey. I think Trevor should. Say, I, I know I've been saying this all episode, but yeah. Trevor, Trevor's the very <laughs> online one of the four yeah. of us, and this Bor- is a very I, online moment. I yeah. call him Borg Boy. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, it's online and I know IRL. Um, so we talked about, you know, uh, Dove partnering with NAFA as well as Flair for the campaign for size freedom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dove is, Dove is doing the work. Dove is fighting for fat rights. Can I just put in here for clarity when we are saying Dove, like the, like the bird, yes, Dove the soap, soap Dove which soap. is own, which is a, a, a brand of Unilever. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Dove's poor, probably social media intern, or I don't know, like social media person tweeted about it was a response to a tweet and they said um, in regards to the the Oscar wins for the whale, um, they said, don't give awards to fat suits. We want Um, better representation in Hollywood and specifically because the whale. So they won for best hair and makeup and uh, Brendan spoilers (laughs) uh, for the Oscars. (laughs) Brendan Fraser won for best actor. So they're talking, I think, I mean, I guess about both Oscars, but specifically I think the best hair and makeup is. Yeah is the one that they were referring to. And the backlash was swift and fierce. Yeah, the ba- the internet back. Guess what? The internet didn't like that. <laughs> well, yeah. and I there was there was two main prongs of criticism. One was, you know, Dove, you fucking are just trying to sell soap, stay in your lane, you don't know anything about Hollywood film or the Oscars. Yeah. And the other prong of attack was, well, what were they going to do? Cast somebody fat? It would have killed them. Yeah. That would have been irresponsible, irresponsible of Hollywood. Yeah. Like they know. So anyway. So or that the Brendan point. Fraser was already fat. They did their job, you know. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So 
we're we're not uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're not here to actually talk about that controversy no. specifically. No, 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 God, no. we are. To, so this kind of prompted me to think about like, you know, this was kind of a shock for Dove, and in doing this, we're like they're doing the work. Like I can say, like I I haven't working been working directly on this campaign, but like I know, like they are doing the work. They are you know actually trying to be allies and like. So we wanted to talk about what happens when you are trying to do the work as an ally and you get attacked in a way that you probably have never been attacked <laughs> in your life. Swatted you know, on the nose. If you are a, you know, just, I don't know, a, a thin white chaser who like, f- whose family was pretty good about them coming out or something. And you're like, I want to start standing up for fat rights. And you are scared of this kind of backlash. Yeah. What can you do? And what can, can we do yourself? Yeah. to support to support those people, whether you're a current ally or you're an internal ally, but you've never done anything about it? Um, how do you, you know, how do you inspire people to to take up arms, and and also how do you help people that have been bopped on the nose, so to speak? I I think where this might need to start is as someone who's very experienced in this, <laughs> most of the time, the backlash just in an interpersonal, you're sitting in the living room, you're having a conversation, whatever. It's not as bad as you would think. Yeah. Meaning that the, the, the scenario you have in your head is usually going to be far worse than anything that happens in real life. Now mm-hmm. online is different because yeah. people have zero filter online and they'll say anything just to say it, but in an actual face-to-face conversation, which I would add is really where it needs to happen. You know, mm-hmm. no one ever won a debate on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so, I, but you know, in, in a family situation, in a friend circle where you're actually sitting with people, nobody is going to get that awful with you. Now, will you feel slimed? <laughs> yes, you will. Mm-hmm. That absolutely does happen, but it's not like someone's going to go off like you see on Twitter or something like that. Yeah. People are far more couth in person. So what happens? So uh, this is the interesting thing for me is that I didn't I, I didn't have a uh, any experience or effort put into uh, fat advocacy until we started the podcast, um, and that became as sort of a safety net for me. Like, and it still is currently. We we have a lot of interaction with our own community that sort of reinforces and provides mm-hmm. a sense of of support and community. There are people out there who don't have that, who mm-hmm. are maybe waiting to be inspired or waiting until they feel like they have a support system. Like, how, what do you say to somebody who doesn't have that kind of support network around them? If you look, if you look for it, it will be there. Um, I'm, I'm put in mind of this. I just heard about this. A friend of mine who's fat, he wants to date this really hot thin guy. And the thin guy is like, yeah, but you know, we can't go out in public together. <sighs> Point blank. Yeah, like I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not there yet, and you know, whatever, um, cross that off your list. But so, if, but if you're thinking about talking to this guy, this thin guy, like, well, at, apropos of your question, Michael, so where, where is that, where, where is that progress going to develop? Well, it's not going to develop just you know hitting up fat guys online and never meeting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have to seek it out. Yeah, it's and it's going to be in real life. Yes, you and, can do some things online, but. And this may mean, you know, a, God forbid, stepping out of your comfort zone. Well, and, and like know? I said before, it's not like, you know, if you have dinner out at a restaurant 
with a fat guy sitting across from you, it's not like, you know, the New York Times is going to descend upon you and publish this account (laughs) of your family. You know, you're just two people having dinner. Nobody cares that much. And this is, this is where I'm talking about sometimes the biggest impediments to fat advocacy are in our heads. Yeah. I, I, the the way I would put it, and I don't know if this is helpful or not, but imagine how, when was the last time, if, if speaking to this hypothetical chaser who won't date a fat guy in publicly, what was the last time that you did anything that you would consider to be truly worthwhile that didn't have a sense of fear or danger associated with yeah. doing it? Even if it's just imagined, even if it's just in your head and there isn't any real danger, danger or fear. Like when was the last time you did something that was a substantive impact on your life that you remember and treasure forever? regardless of the outcome that didn't have that feeling of like that feeling that's keeping you from going on that date is the same feeling that makes you know and aware that it's probably worth doing. I mean, I would argue that there's that same sense of fear in, you know, making an omelet and trying to flip it for the first time. Yeah. Like there are so many, there's just so many things in life that are scary, but usually worth it. Like just fl- flip the omelet and yeah, yeah. like I th- I think also just like to talk you know to Mister Hypothetical Chaser when someone sees uh you know muscle jock and a fat guy they're for an on a di- you know out and like two guys at a table having dinner their first thought is not going to be like unless they're me or Michael or someone <laughs> yeah their first thought is not going to be like oh my god is that guy a chaser are they on a date most people yeah. are like oh it's like just two guys. <laughs> Yeah. Having- it's beneath notice. It's beneath notice. Except, yeah. except for the chaser in the restaurant who you don't know about, except for the fat person in the in the restaurant that you haven't noticed, they see that and that is a form of advocacy because it's a form of visibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah. is so important. Just being on the date in public is a tiny step towards advocacy. Yeah. yeah. It, it and it may feel like a tiny step for that person on the date, but for for someone like me who has been told in the past like I will not go out in public with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that means a lot. That means so much. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um and I I find this helpful. I, I I don't know if this will be helpful for everyone, but for me this is helpful. There's something called the spotlight effect in psychology. Mm. The spotlight effect basically makes you overestimate how much people pay attention to your behavior. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And what's that? About me, 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 me. Well, researching that, I mean, well, it, it inspires fear, right? I'm, for me, I think understanding that there's something in my brain telling me that everyone's looking at me incorrectly, that, you know, that that part of my brain is wrong is, is a nice thing. It helps me be who I want to be with less self-consciousness. Guess what, people? Life isn't about you. <laughs> Not everybody is observing you like you're the hero. Yeah. I mean, your life is all about you. I should well, point that out. I mean, well, yeah. no, because you, you're, you're just a character in their story. Yeah, right. <laughs> your life is about you. Take yeah. that into consideration. Um, and and you know, you can get blowback, and we can talk about various. I don't know. Yeah, what happens? Art, artful, artful dodges. Um, well, because you can, you know, you will get blowback usually. If, if you make a stand tw- about like, oh, that guy's really attractive and yeah, he happens to be fat or something like that. The typical blowback, if it comes, is usually masked, cloaked, camouflaged in 
you know, concern trolling. It's like, oh, well, yeah, but I'm just thinking about their health. Or, mm-hmm. um, well, I don't understand why you like dating unhealthy guys or something like that. It basically will get thrown at you in the form of healthism because that seems to them to be objective and unassailable. Like it's not that it's, it's sort of like that thing with in, in, uh, in coming out as gay. It's like, well, you know, I have no problem with gay people, but God does. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with fat people, but they're going to die. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or like, if, no. if I could transition it, I have no problem with black people. I just really concerned about sickle cell anemia. Yeah. Please. You shouldn't date a black person because <laughs> sickle cell anemia is very serious. Or, yeah. or take it yeah. a step further. I mean, let's let's OK. For the sake of this example, let's assume that you're correct about fat people being on the verge of death at all times. Oh, I would never <laughs> date somebody who had a cancer diagnosis because, well, they're just going to die eventually. Well, mm. there's a, there's an important distinction here uh, that I often talk about. The, the reason that people feel justified in taking food out of a fat person's grocery cart, but would never take a pack of cigarettes out of a person's grocery cart mm. is because it's considered – Smoking is cool and justified, whereas being fat is considered your fault and a character flaw. Yeah. See, smoking is just cool. Being fat is you're you're fucked up somehow, and I'm saving you from yourself. And again, you really got to get healthism for what it's for. Healthism is never, ever about health. It's about morality. Yeah. I, th- I'm just – we're going back to this chaser who won't go on a date because I feel like it's a very – real scenario oh definitely and i in my mind i'm like yeah okay i get it you're afraid you don't want to get caught and you're masking it with just being sort of detached and like just imagine for a second that you live your entire life that way you're you're gonna go you're gonna you're gonna get buried with a tombstone that says never went on a date Mm -hmm. like are you kidding me oh no they'll go on dates with normal size people quote unquote yeah, but never they'll be, okay, and, and sure. they'll and they'll pretend that's dating. Never had a real date. I don't know. It's just yeah, yeah. It, it, like people other, act like they have all the time in the world to figure it out, and they don't have to figure it out now. And like that's just not true. I think also just like I don't know. I think of all the guys I've met that are in relationships that they're not happy in. They're not happy. Their partner's not happy, and they're just like, why? Like it, you know, they they have their chaser awakening or whatever, and. It's just like this. I, why didn't I do this sooner? It's like because you you stopped yourself, and you're still kind of stopping yourself. And it's I, I just take the plunge. One other mindset adjustment to to suggest for people is I find it easier for me to stand, get up to the bat, and advocate for someone else than it is for myself. Right? Mm. I'm more willing to eat like a, a spear thrown at me than if someone threw a spear at Trevor or Michael, I'd get rip shit and, you know, and go straight to bat. Keep in mind a lot of the time when you're getting pushed down for this sort of, that sort of action, that advocacy, that, you know, a, a statement of admiration for a fat person, you're the only person who can make that statement. Yeah. You yeah. Know? If not you, then who? Because I can't make that statement. I can't, you know, Oh, you're, you just don't like the way you're being treated. Oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, if someone else stands up for someone else, they get a degree of attention and impact that I can't make advocating for fat people because I'm ignored because I'm a fat person. Mm-hmm. And you know? I think that that goes to another conversation we could talk about, which is privilege and using your privilege. And, you know, the more pretty privilege you have, there's such a thing as like, there's all kinds of privileges. And one of those privileges is pretty privilege. Like people, people who are good looking have a different way in the world than people who are not perceived as good looking. 
And there's a privilege to that. And I've seen it, seen it exercised in so many different ways. But, you know, I, one of the things that happens when a really good looking chaser will not date a fat person in public is they're afraid of contaminating their pretty privilege. Yep. And what you don't get is, look, you've got privilege to burn. This will never go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And you, this is what it's fucking for. That is why that is what privilege is best used for is to support other people. I mean, why else have it? Yeah. yeah. The last thing I'll I'll add to this before we wrap up is that, you know, if if we've actually made a persuasive argument for you and you're like, okay, well, I don't know, like, well, maybe it's like you don't have to do it all at once. You can yeah, you don't exercise, have to you don't have to write a manifesto or something. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you can exercise this in small little baby steps that will take you towards a place of confidence and self-assuredness. Um, you know, I, I would say the the babiest of baby steps would be uh, go on that date somewhere that you feel comfortable or most comfortable, um, wherever that is. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's going on a date where there are fewer people around. Okay, fine. Well, maybe that's not the ideal scenario, but it is something. It's a little bit mm -hmm. of improvement, and that'll give you uh, it'll give you ground to stand on. Or I think, you know, take a, a page from the, um, I don't mean to make this pun, the book of the listener mm -hmm. who wrote in and find ways to make change in whatever field you're in. Yeah. It, change begins where you're standing. You, you can't do change somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Change is always local. Yeah. Meaning where you're literally where you're standing. The more you know. <laughs> anyway, um, I would like to revisit this subject because we didn't really even get into what happens if you get bopped on the nose yeah. and, and recovering. But uh, yeah, we'll circle back to this. And if yeah. I may, I would love to hear from chasers or fat people or anybody who's struggling with how would I make a bigger difference? Like, what is your situation and what would you like help with? Oh, yes. We would love to talk about that. In the yes. That's a great question. Chaser, I love that. Chaser listeners, this is for you. We want to hear your point of view. What, whether you feel it is good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. Let's make a conversation around it because, hey, the easiest way for you to contribute right now is just writing an anonymous letter to our show and creating a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think so, also just uh, apprehensive allies like that. You yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, right. No tip, but I think we got a bit. We do have a bit today. Yay. So, so the inspiration for this bit came, we're talking about this discussion. So one of the things that can often stop me from jumping in and helping in a situation is a fear that I might make things worse. Mm. Right. Hmm. So there's a word in German. <laughs> it's a Verschlimmbesserung. Okay. <laughs> and if that sounds like I'm slurring, it's because it's German. Uh, and this letter, this word has more letters in it than I'm comfortable with. So it basically what this word means is making worse by improving. Okay. So one of the clearest examples of this, I'm, I'm I think many of you will remember this, is uh, in 2012, there was this famous painting of Jesus called oh, Ece no. Homo yeah. in Spain that a we very well-meaning uh, but amateur artist tried to restore and turned an ecstatic Jesus into a shocked monkey eavesdropping on the neighbors. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It is and astounding. I, that is exactly what it looks like. It oh, is. Shocked monkey is dropping on the neighbors yeah it's bad. i thought you were just gonna give an example like you know microsoft word or something <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's yeah um, so Verschlimbesserung can be seen throughout history where people have tried to make things better with the best of intentions, but have still managed to make things much, 
<laughs> much worse. Um, so our game today is Take a Guess. I'm about to tell you about a problem, the solution that well people implemented, and then you tell me what happened. Oh, All right? okay. So let's start off with a nice, simple, small-scale one. In Hong Kong, a street where too many pedestrians had been hit by motorists was identified. To fix the problem, the city installed a hip-level guardrail along the street to guide walkers to the next crosswalk, trying to prevent them from crosswalking. This led to a really pretty significant increase in pedestrians being hit. Oh, no. Oh. What went wrong? Are we taking guesses or is it multiple choice? Uh, this is a discussion. You three okay. talk it out and figure uh, they, it out. And they scaled I'll... the wall. Yeah. They went over the barrier. I think they went over it and then it made it harder for them to get out of the way again when they were about to get hit. That is absolutely correct. Basically, pedestrians would keep behaving like they always had, <laughs> not paying attention to where they were going. They would just hop over the guardrail or duck under it oh and then God. find themselves trapped in front of an oncoming car. <laughs> <laughs> Serves them right. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing we're talking about, people. That's right. right. Weeding okay. out the gene pool is what I call that. <laughs> so this next one ties into current events. It's history repeating itself again today. All right. Let's take a quick look at Arkansas, where they're currently in the process of actually retracting child labor laws. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Those God. lazy kids. Let's make that very clear. I'm going to say that again because we're not making this up. They're retracting child labor law. They're trying to make it easier for younger kids to work harder. Yeah. Now, if you're not depressed enough at that statement, let's turn our attention to child labor conditions in the 19th century Ireland. Yay! Yay! How fast happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Okay. <laughs> this one sucks, people. Ready? All right. Let's go. In 19th century Ireland, things got so bad as far as work and food access that it became legal for parents to abandon their children at labor camps. There, the kids would have hard terrible and ridiculously dangerous jobs, but they would be guaranteed room and board. Eventually, it was decided that some of the money generated by the labor the children performed should probably go back to the families who had been so desperate that they had abandoned their children. However, it didn't take that many years before uh, the streets were filled with abandoned children because of this. What went wrong? It made more families abandon their children because they wanted money. Yeah. That's... Or they started having more children in order to sell them. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Damn. That's oh, what started happening. People yeah. dropped off their kids, realized they were making money, and they started making some some people. Not everyone. I'm not saying all of Ireland did Making this. children's is both free and fun. They started making more children <laughs> oh to God. donate so they would get more money back from the workhouses. And then eventually the workhouses are like, we, there's too many. Like, this is not working. They canceled the program. So then all of a sudden there are more families that now had more children that were being supported by the children they had sold previously that could now no longer support the children yeah. and they just abandoned them in the streets. This is this is a great example of capitalism working at its best. Capitalism, <laughs> yay! Where, you know, human is capital. You know, human right. beings are capital. This next one is actually a pretty famous story. It actually gave rise to something that is called the Cobra Effect, which technically all of these we're looking at is the Cobra Effect. Um, so in British colonial government in India in the 1900s, they basically had a major problem with cobras. 
there were too many cobras, just they were everywhere, causing all sorts of problems. So the British government tried to tackle the problem of venomous cobra snakes by offering a bounty for every dead cobra. Mm -hmm. This soon resulted in a massive explosion of cobras in nearby forests all over the place. Yep. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask, how did this happen? But I'm also going to warn you, this is a multi-step answer question. Okay. I have a guess. Michael, what was your guess? My guess is people would capture uh, male and female cobras and make them breed and then kill their kids and bring them in as uh, bounties. Ding, ding, ding. That is yeah. the first step that's of what happens. Okay. Oh, so that's the first step. Okay. That's the first step. And then you, oh. how this usually goes is they catch on and they stop offering the bounty. So then they release all the snakes and they continue to breed uncontrollably. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> Basically, all these people flood the market. And just you know, they, they have too many snakes. They cancel the program. <laughs> so they release all of the snakes that they've bred into the forest who then breed like crazy. Mm-hmm. I love this because <laughs> Trevor's natural talent for catastrophizing is giving him all of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are additional steps to this one. This is fun. To help prevent this from happening again, the British government required that all snakeheads be presented with the skin still attached to prove that they had been freshly killed. In response to this, people began collecting dead snakes from around town oh, and sewing their heads back on before turning them. <laughs> oh to- my God. Just, just some crazy. All right. Yeah. Our last one is, is a fun one and less grim uh, in Chicago. And I am, unfortunately, I do not know exactly when this happened, but I'm assuming quite some time ago, an effort to encourage people to clean up their city led to a program that paid citizens to collect trash on the street in their local neighborhoods. This gave good incentives to different neighborhoods to self-patrol. Yet somehow, this ended up with more trash seemingly everywhere all the time. What went wrong? Hmm. Um, People were dumping their garbage outside so that they could collect garbage to get paid. Almost, but not quite right. They wouldn't, people they wouldn't were be not dumping their between... own garbage in the streets. There, apparently there was some method. To oh, wait, wait, wait. I have a guess. No, okay. this wouldn't make it. Well, I'll guess it anyway. I don't know. I'm yeah. not 100% on this one. It, was it something like, you know, if you had a comparatively cleaner neighborhood that you got some kind of benefit where if you could dump your trash in somebody else's neighborhood that you could kind of shine by comparison? Not quite, but close enough. What basically ended up happening was that neighborhoods were incentivized to clean up their own neighborhoods, their own neighborhoods. Didn't give a shit about other people's neighborhoods. Mm. So they took the trash from their neighborhood and dumped oh. it in the neighbor's neighborhood. <laughs> well, that's what Michael said. Yeah. Yeah. And so what eventually what ended up happening was they just incentivized people to be shuttling garbage around oh. the city all the time, <laughs> which is exactly what happened. Uh, I wanted I want to know like how this was paid. Like how did how did they measure and and monetize existing well, trash on the ground. But anyway. I did go out. I, I have verified that each of these happened, but I haven't gone into depth into this. Yeah. I, I'm so. curious. Like that just seems ripe for stupid. <laughs> I know there was Welcome another to one. The human race, Dan. <laughs> there was another one of these where it was like rats and it was initially like people just bringing in the rat tails but they yeah. just then like let the rats go. It's almost yeah. the same as the Cobra thing. Yeah. Um, there's another sort of famous similar one in Los Angeles where uh, there were some problems with like bad smell from uh, palm trees being too close to power lines or something. So they trimmed the top of the palm trees, which were the nests for most of the rats, oh. in the neighborhoods, <laughs> which flooded Los Angeles neighborhoods with wild rats. Yeah, I so. do remember that. I <laughs> yeah. remember that. 
Lots of fun things. Consequences. (laughs) Dear listener, have you made something worse when you tried to help? We would love to hear about it. Where could they tell us about that, Trevor? Well, we're on Instagram and Twitter as at BigFatGayPod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Five stars there. Five stars everywhere. We've got a couple new reviews. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. See the articles we talked about, including Judy's article, at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yay. Well, maybe you're uh, you're trying to catch cobras right now. You're back <laughs> in time trying to get that cobra money. <laughs> and there's a, a really kind of a really fat cobra and it looks like me and uh-huh. <laughs> it's just kind of uh-huh. chunk, chunking along <laughs> and it's going to kind of turn to you and it's going to frill out its hood and say oh <laughs> well, watch out hold on what's this what's a snake version <laughs> watch, watch out <laughs>